What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita, and here we are a day after our last podcast. I spoke yesterday with Stephanie Kendrick, the wife of Kyle Kendrick, member of the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies, and today we're talking with a an actual former Phillies player who got to play in the World Series 15 years before that. Uh, returning back to the show, we've got Mickey Morandini. How you doing, Mick? Doing great, Jack. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but uh, obviously a huge win for our fighting fields last night. Yeah, big one last night. Uh, game one of the NLCS is over. Uh, the Phillies have a one-game lead. We'll be talking about that. The ALCS gets going today. Um, all of the division series have wrapped up, so we're going to we're going to discuss some of that stuff. But before we do that, Mick, I got to get your thoughts on the Steelers here in the first uh, <laughs> few weeks of the season. <laughs> Well, obviously very surprising on Sunday. I mean, they came out and played with a lot of emotion, a lot of passion. They were missing several defensive players, so everybody was predicting another blowout as the week before when Buffalo blew them out. But you know what? They came out, they played with a lot of heart, a lot of desire in front of their home fans. And uh, obviously a big win. Now, they're only a game out of first place, believe it or not, because the division, which should be really – Strong is not so strong. The league isn't strong. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I actually talked to my boys the other day, and I said it's 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 kind of ugly right now. The quarterback play is not good. Offensive lines aren't very good. I mean, it, it's there's a lot of boring football out there, and there the Thursday night games have been a disaster for the NFL. And um, obviously, they need to quit putting Denver on these primetime <laughs> games. I'm telling you, it's hard to say. I have Russell Wilson on one of my five fantasy teams, and it is hard to watch. I never thought I'd have to bench Russell Wilson, but it's it's come to that. But, uh, yeah, but the Steelers, they look better. Um, uh, we'll see how Pickett is health-wise this week. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they're – they're not a very good team right now. They need to get T.J. Watt back. That'll give a real boost to that defense. But uh, personally, I think they need a new offensive coordinator. Yes. They need to start throwing the ball down the field a little more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I'm tired of the dinks and dunks. I saw it for the last two years with Ben, and uh, we need to open things up a little bit. They've got a really good wide receiver core. I don't know why they don't throw the ball down the field more. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, with my new job over with uh, SI Fan Nation, I have worked pretty much every Sunday, so I have only gotten to see a few games. But from what I have seen, I didn't get to watch Sunday's game, but from what, from what I have seen, I haven't wanted to watch a lot of games because I have not liked what I've seen play calling on offense. Something needs to change there. I totally agree. I want to see a little more. I want to see a little more aggressiveness. I want to air it out. Right. I agree with you. They uh, they got three stud wide. They really do have three stud wide receivers, and um, I think they need to utilize that. They have a good tight end, a good pass catching tight end. Obviously, Najee Harris is having trouble finding holes to run through, but they have a, they have solid back. They have a good reserve back. Um, so we'll see. You know, I, I you know uh, Tomlin seems to to stick with his people. So we'll see what happens as this uh, season progresses. And what have you thought of Pickett so far from what you've watched of him? I know you don't watch a whole lot of college football. I was pretty excited when they made that pick. 
myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm real excited. You put him opposite of Johnson, and you have Claypool in the middle there, who had a great game the other day. Um, I know he's he's been uh, in the midst of talks of trade rumors. Some teams would like to to, to uh, trade for Claypool, but uh, I like Pickens. I like his speed. I like his catchability. I mean, I mean, he made that great one-handed catch. He's got good pair of hands on him. So, um, and you, they, I mean, do you um, like pick Pickett in addition to Pickens? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Pickett or Pickens? I said Pickett. Yeah, but oh, I could, I yeah, <laughs> I like them both. I do too. <laughs> I like Pickett. I, I do. I, you know, I, I like those drop-back quarterbacks. Um, I know they're far and few between in the league now, a lot of running quarterbacks. But, um, yeah, I like what I see. There was always concern about his hand size. Now, I don't know enough about football to know if that really makes a difference or not. But he throws a nice ball, and he's not afraid to take chances. And that's refreshing to see as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. All right, so Mick is a Steelers fan in addition to being a Philly for life guy now. That's right. Uh, so you still live, you moved back to Philly. Where you were the uh, first base coach. You did some coaching in the minor leagues, and now you're a fan ambassador and you're part of the fan experience. I actually did a story on you, Mick, uh, about a month ago when you presented the Bryce Harper bat oh. to the fan <laughs> that had the. Yeah, you should tell that story real quick. I think it's a good story. Yeah, it was a strange uh, sequence of events there. Um, I'm sitting in the stands with my wife, enjoying a game. I don't get to sit in the stands a lot because I do a lot of ambassadoring during the game where I'm visiting suites and, you know, mingling with sponsors and fans and things like that. But we took a day to sit in the stands. We're playing the Pirates and their shortstop crews. That flips out of his hand, and I thought it was going to hit our netting because our netting's really high. And, and I, by the way, Mick, I think he's starting to have a problem with that. For whatever reason, when he strikes out, he lets go of his bat. This has happened two or three times already. Yeah, so the bat comes helicoptering over the net, and all of a sudden I realize it's coming straight for me, and I kind of bailed a little bit because I'm not <laughs> wanting to get hit by this bat. Um, and uh, it landed in the row in front of me on a, a couple of uh, – girls that were in front of me and uh they kept the bat and a couple innings went by and a pirates representative comes over to the seat and says we need that bat back and the crowd starts you know getting on her don't give it back don't give it back you don't have to give it back and she technically does not have to give the, the bat back but under peer pressure she finally gives it back they hand her a different bat which was probably some bp bat of cruises or something a meaningless bat so the Phillies felt bad for it. it was her birthday for crying out loud. It was her birthday. So the Phillies kind of felt bad. So we went up, got a, a Bryce Harper bat and I uh, brought it down and presented it to her. Uh, very surprised, uh, very happy. I, I think she made out on the deal for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we we broadcasted it on TV. And the next thing I know, it's on ESPN and all kind of different news publications and articles and all kinds of things. So it was, it was a, you know, the Phillies are very good at, at, at um, you know, fan doing, taking care of their fans. And I was glad to be a part of that. And I don't know why they needed that bat back so badly. I know he did hit that ball. He hit one of the hardest balls ever and he had a base hit to right field. I think it was 122 miles per hour off the bat. So I don't know if he did it with that bat. Maybe it was something that they wanted to keep. Mm. I don't know, but um, maybe something special about that. Yeah, bat. 
So it all worked out in the end, but it made me look really good on, on TV. <laughs> yeah, you were sitting like directly behind them, like one yeah. row behind them. And I saw the clips on Twitter and John Crook, your buddy, was talking about you. He's like, come on, Mick, do something. Were you guys yeah, texting? He always buries me on TV, but I think he buried me at first because I kind of bailed. Yeah. He was all over me. But then when he saw me bring the bat to her, I think he gave me some love on TV. So uh, it all worked out in the end. <laughs> That's great. So uh, fun weekend of baseball. Let me ask you this first, Mick. The playoff format has changed quite a bit. In 93, was that before the wild card had come in? Or was that the very beginning of the wild card? Oh, uh, it was not the wild card yet. Yeah, so it's just the East and the played, West. Yeah, we played the West, which the Braves were in the West at the time, if you remember. Yeah. Um, I don't remember personally, but yeah. I've read enough history because I was not alive. I don't remember who the Blue Jays played in the series before that. White uh, Sox. Oh, White Sox, right. It was a White Sox. So, yeah, the, the wild card came in after. I, I, I like the playoff format. I don't want us to get too many teams in the playoffs like the hockey used to do and the NBA. You know, half the, half the league used to be in the playoffs. So, uh, you, you really have to earn your way in. But I do I do kind of like the way it is. Now, it is it is a little difficult for those teams to get bys because, to be honest, with the three or four days off in between games might sound like, hey, they're getting rested up and they're getting healthy. But also, um, that's a long time off for a baseball player to not see live pitching, to not throw off a mound and do those types of things. So it, it, it could definitely could have affected the Dodgers and the Braves for sure. So if you were – so do you have a preference of a format? Do you like how we've made it a little bit bigger, but you don't want to make it too big? Would you like it to be a little smaller? I don't know. Do you do the one-game playoff again like they did last year where the two wildcard teams just have a one-game and winner-take-all? Um, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's difficult. There's, there's a pros and cons for every which way you're going to do it. Now, if the Braves and the Dodgers would have won their series, series, there would be no complaints. Everybody would be happy with the way it was. But the fact that the two best teams in the National League lost their series and they didn't hit the ball very well in those series, it does um, lend for some complaining on the off time. But you know what? Uh, too bad. You know what? It, it is what it is. It's the way it is. You have to deal with it. And... Um, you know, the Padres got hot at the right time. Phillies are getting hot at the right time. And a lot of times it's not the best record in baseball. It's the team that's playing best coming into the playoffs. And uh, both both those teams uh, have played very well here in the last few weeks. Yeah, I like what you said about we don't want to get probably past this point. I think what I would have done, Mick, if I was the commissioner, is I would have waited until we added the two expansion teams because I think that is going to happen. Right. I think we're going to get to 32 teams. And I think this number that we have right now is perfect for 32. It's the way that the NFL did it for many years. I don't really know. I mean, I know why the NFL expanded their postseason. I don't think it was necessary. I want the regular season to mean something. So I'm glad that we haven't gone beyond this 12 because the league owners wanted to make it 14. And then you're looking at the Brewers and – don't know. I, I think it was the Orioles. So you're looking at like an 83 win team and an 82 win team, right. something like that. Right. We we can't reward that kind no. of mediocrity. 
I completely agree. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think they'll ever go to more playoff teams. I sure hope not. But uh, you know, every team that got in this year, I think deserved it. Um, you know, the three uh, wild card teams in the American League: the Blue Jays, uh, Seattle, and uh, who was the third? Um, <clears throat> Blue Jays, Seattle, and Tampa. Tampa all deserved to be in. They all had great teams. They all had good records. Um, so I, I think it worked out very well this year. Every team deserved to be in there. And um, you know what? If you, if you don't want wild card teams moving on, then let's get rid of the wild card and just have division winners. But, you know, it's going to change again next year because now well, at least the schedule is because now every team plays every team next year. So we're going to see something. Do you like that? Again. Well, I, th- I think it's it, 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 it's better for competitive balance because a lot like the National League uh, Central is an awful, awful division. And when they're when the Cardinals are playing the Cubs, the Pirates and the Reds 19 times a year, they have a distinct advantage as opposed to the Phillies who have to play, you know, Miami. Now, Washington was awful this year, but, you know, Miami, who wasn't so good, but they're competitive. You know, I know you wanted you wanted me to send you the win totals, and I was oh, all I got Miami in front of me here. I I know I know what they are. But, uh, <laughs> I so thought I, you wanted to dunk on me for those. Yeah, it's going to help in that aspect that everybody's playing the same teams for the most part. Um, I, I thought nineteen games in your division was a little bit too many. Uh, it used to be, I think, twelve to fourteen. I know when I played, you played twice at at your. Uh, actually, you played everybody. You played twice on the road and everybody twice at home, which I really liked because you got to see the Dodgers come in a couple times and, you know, some of those West Coast teams come in a couple times. Now you only see them one time. But 19 is too many in your own division. I think that would actually be better, Mick, if we did that. If we instead of instead of saying, okay, we need the Phillies, we really need the Phillies to play the A's next year. Well, how about we have them play the Dodgers uh, double the amount. I think right. that would be better. Because to me, I don't care about getting to see all these American League teams play as National League teams. Because I think a lot of those games are just not very consequential. I'd rather see division rivals play each other more because I think right. those games are ratcheted up in intensity. But right. I think you bring up a good point is it would add more balance to each league if we played more games in each league versus more league more games against everybody in both right. leagues yeah and then and if they're gonna do it this way where you're playing every team um i wonder if they would ever go to hey we have six nl playoff spots we have six american league playoff spots now that we're playing everybody why don't we just take the top 12 teams you know what I, I mean? Do that. Top twelve teams. The bottom six are as wild cards. The top six is uh, have the best record and go from there. I don't know if they'd ever do something like that, um, but you know, obviously this commissioner likes change. He's changing <laughs> a lot of things in a in a fast period of time. So, might be something uh, that happens uh, sometime in the future. I don't know. He is changing quite a bit next year. Pitch clock. Uh, we're going to have restrictions on the shift, and we're going to have larger bases. You like or dislike these changes, Mick? I don't really understand the larger bases. That makes no sense to me. I know they're trying to create more offense. Um, 
but uh, I don't understand that. I don't understand the – you can throw the ball over to first base twice. You throw over a third time and you don't get him, it's a buck. I don't understand that. I know that, once again, they're trying to create stolen bases and create more offense, um, but I, I just – I don't understand those two things. Now, the shift, I mean, it's going to create more offense because obviously you can't put that guy um, out in the, in the outfield. But what I've talked to several uh, players uh, like Larry Boa and Charlie Manuel and some guys I hang out with here, they think what teams are going to start doing with the shift now is if uh, Bryce Harper is up and – we know he's pretty much a dead pool hitter, especially on the ground. They're going to move the left fielder over to shallow right field like the Rover. They're going to move the center fielder over a little bit to left field, but they're going to have two outfielders in the outfield. They're going to bring that left fielder over, and they're going to be playing a shift anyway. So, And that's legal because with the, with the new rules, it's just infielders. You can only have two infielders on the right side, and I think – I think they got to stay on the dirt. I don't think they can go. Yeah, they have to stay on the control. dirt. Um, teams will find a way to get around it, I'm sure. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But it comes at the expense of not having anyone in left field in that case. But how many people are actually willing to hit the ball the other way? We've seen that they're not. Most most guys that uh, are played shifts on aren't willing to go the other way. There's very few Freddie Freemans and, and those types of guys. Now, once in a while, Harper or, or – Schwerber on our team will lay down a butt if it's necessary, but do you really want those guys butting? So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, the pitch clock, I don't mind. Um, I'm sure it's going to speed up the game. Now, what I think will really speed up the game is if we have guys make more contact with the bat yes. and pitchers have more command of the baseball. I mean, every account's 3-2. There's an ungodly amount of strikeouts and walks in Major League Baseball. There's no more Greg Maddox 78-pitch complete games. So if we could get these pitchers having a little bit more command, throwing more strikes, and have the hitters start making a little more contact, that'll speed up the game too. Well, what'd you think of this Cleveland Guardians team? They were a throwback. They were. Uh, you know, Terry Francona is very underrated manager. He's very good. He's He took a Boston team to the World Series. He's done a remarkable job um, here in Cleveland. Now, I don't know much about them, but I know they got rid of a lot of pitching and a lot of very good players. And I was like, man, they must be rebuilding. And the next thing I know, they're winning their division and they're in the playoffs again. So uh, that's quite a story there. They do a very good of uh, developing their own players and drafting very well. And I think that's paying dividends for them right now. You know, I was hearing a lot from Bob Costas on that broadcast all week. Oh, the Guardians are these mighty underdogs and, you know, whatever he was saying. And, you know, the Yankees only won like seven more games than the Guardians yeah. did this year. I didn't think that that was some big underdog, unless you want to go through the, hey, it's it's remarkable how this team with the third lowest payroll in the league is holding their own against the team with the third highest payroll in this league. You could talk about that. What I loved about the Guardians this year, and I know you weren't able to watch them quite as much, is they put together this team in addition to player development, scouting, drafting. Uh, some of those guys, like some of the guys are guys, for instance, Shane Bieber. He was a guy that was passed on because he didn't throw as hard. 
Right. But he was a command guy. He's a great control guy. And then, you know, there are other examples of that throughout their roster. In addition to that, though, I think what Cleveland did that was so fascinating, I'll probably be writing a piece about this today, is 20 years ago with Moneyball, the Oakland days come around with, hey, you know what? We think batting average. We think RBI. We think stolen bases. We think these three metrics are overrated. There are smaller ones that they thought were overrated. Maybe not overrated, but overvalued. Everyone right. was paying a premium for guys who did those things. And they went in a different direction and valued OBP. And they kind of became this at the forefront of change in the sport. And now, 20 years later, it feels like people are overvaluing the power and the OBP perhaps without the contact ability. And Cleveland put together this roster and this lineup of undervalued guys. They have a traditional look. I, I know it's working out for the Phillies with, you know, Schwarber leading off, but Cleveland has Stephen Kwan, who's a 300 hitter, close to a 400 OBP speedy guy. They have this whole team of guys that just slap the ball in play, put the ball in play, put pressure on your opponent to make mistakes. They don't beat you by hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Now, I know it didn't necessarily win this year, but they were the youngest roster in baseball. They were age 25 and a half, something like that. I think this team is uh, one. I think what they're doing is very fascinating and very valuable. Um, but I also think they have a pretty bright future ahead of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh Anytime you can be very good with young players, you're obviously got the, uh, uh, you know, you're building towards something really good in, in the upcoming years. Now, I don't know if Cleveland was undervalued because, once again, they played in an awful division. <laughs> I think they were the only team over 500. I think the White Sox might have ended up at 500. Yeah, I don't think the White Sox got to 500. I think yeah. they were an 80-win team. I mean, they were supposed to win that division, but they, they had a lot of injuries and, and didn't live up to expectations. But the rest of it, teams in that division were awful. So maybe that's why they were, you know, viewed as such big underdogs, whereas you had the Yankees and really one of the best divisions in baseball with Baltimore and Toronto. And really the Red Sox were the worst team in that division. So uh, that might be why they were undervalued. But, you know, baseball doesn't value at batting average anymore. They don't think it's very important. It's more OPS, on-base percentage, that type of thing. As you said, the RBIs, they always say we could throw anybody into the four spot and they're going to drive in 100 runs, which I don't agree with, but that's that's what they're viewing it as now. So there's a lot of things. Now, I do think the stolen base is starting to come back a little bit. I know here in Philadelphia, we stole a lot of bases this year. Um, Riamuto had 20 stolen bases, so we stole some bases this year. Our, our, our percentage was very high, and it did create a lot of runs, but uh, – we got to do something about the strikeouts. I know guys throw harder now, but the radar gun's different now than it was in the past, too. So some of those numbers are skewed a little bit. But uh, we got to be able to put the ball in play. As, for example, in St. Louis, we were down in the ninth inning. We didn't hit a ball harder than about 75 miles per hour off the bat and ended up scoring six runs. So um, if you can put the ball in play, you have some speed. Um, you bunch, you hit and run, you do some different things to create, and like you said, put a lot of pressure on the defense. Good things are going to happen for you, and that's kind of what we've done in the playoffs. We're, we're bunting a little bit more, we're moving runners better, um, and we're putting the ball in play a little bit more, and it's really uh, benefited um, uh, us scoring some runs. And coming back to 
this topic of playoffs and this format, I think there's one thing I would change. I would make the DS a seven-game series now just to give those teams an extra couple games to kind of work the rust off and warm up a little bit, so to speak. At the same time, I'm not going to say that these teams that lost, I, I don't want to take anything away from the teams that beat them because I don't think either of those teams, the Dodgers or the Braves, deserve to win with how they played. Right. And I'm, I think the Braves did the opposite of that. They did not put the ball in play. They right. did not put pressure on the Phillies' defense, which has been uh, suspect throughout the course of the season. Um, and the Phillies were the better team for those f- four games. They only needed four games. Yeah, we definitely were the better team. We pitched better. We we put the ball in play better. Um, even our defense was pretty good, which normally yeah. isn't very good here. So, um, yeah. And the one game, the one game, Mick, that you guys lost was the one game that the Braves just put the ball in play and allowed Philly to make mistakes. Right. Yeah, I, I you're probably right with the seven game series, but I also we th- this season goes so you know it's going to go into November as it is, and. You know, if 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 by chance the World Series is played on the Northwest or Northeast somewhere, you know, New York, Philly, um, even in Cleveland, those types of areas, the weather. I don't like when the weather plays a part in your World Series champion. And if we can make this thing go any deeper into November, which adding, you know, going from a five-game series to a seven-game series, going to add three or four days. Um, I, I worry about the weather now. I think we start the season early enough as it is, you know, because the weather's not very good in early April either in a lot of those cities. So um, I don't know if there would be talk of maybe, you know, taking a few games off the regular season schedule or something like that. But uh, um, it's hard to play in mid-November uh, in some of these cities, that's for sure. Well, we got a two-week uh, late start this year because right. of the lockout. Right. And then we played more doubleheaders. And I think the other thing that would be that will be different is so we had the season end on a Wednesday. Normally ends on a Sunday. So we started the next round Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we've had several like last weekend we had a Saturday with four games. I don't think it's gonna be a good strategy to be trying to take on the NFL and college football on the weekends. I think we're better off trying right. to put these games if we're gonna have wild card four game thing do that during the week get it done by friday and then um but nonetheless i do think in the future we we could get started a little earlier we can add those two games and i wouldn't be opposed to going down to 154 or something like that you know 162 it's not like we've done that throughout history uh when babe ruth hit his 60th home run i think he only had I think they're either playing 148 or 154 at that point in time. So it's not like 162 is this universal number that we've always had. Right. It's all about the money. You know, or the owners, if you're, if you're cutting eight games off the schedule, it's going to be four home games. It uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but four home games is a lot of money for a lot of these owners. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's been so many changes in this game. It's, it's, I'm sure a lot more is coming. So we'll see how it goes. But as far as this year goes, I mean, I think it's it's been a, an exciting playoff. Um, the crowds have been electric everywhere you go. Um, I know I went to a couple games here in Philadelphia against the Braves, and it was unbelievable how loud this place was. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this weekend when the Padres come into town. 
And uh, our, I know Jordan's making the trip. Is Griffin making the trip? Yeah, they, they just texted me this morning. They're going to drive out after their uh, work today, and uh, we're going to hit the games this weekend. So oh, man. That'll yeah, be fun. So, all right. Well, you saw well, – we can touch on a couple of these other series that happened over the weekend briefly. What did you see in that Padres-Dodgers series? Why are the Dodgers done? Well, I think I didn't watch all the games, um, but from what I understand, their offense, they didn't score any runs. No. Uh, the Padres pitching was very good. And, and there is their Padres, their starting pitching is very good, and their bullpen is lights out right now. Um, so the Dodgers just didn't, didn't uh, score any runs. So I'm assuming that's probably the reason, you know, they lost. You got to score <laughs> some runs in these playoff games because, you, you know, most of the playoff games – Teams that are in it now, they have obviously really good pitching. You don't get this far without good pitching and a good bullpen. So, um, and all the teams do. They all have good pitching that are still in it. So, um, they just didn't score any runs. And But you look at the Dodgers over the course of the last 10 years, they've always been the best team on paper, and they've got one, one championship. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's the, the, the managing what's going on or just, uh, you know, it's – it's kind of like the Buffalo Bills, you know. They got the four Super Bowls, couldn't win any. So um, that's just that's the way baseball is. The best team, rarely, be honest with you, the best team in baseball doesn't always win. Well, I think it begs a good question about <laughs> are they best built for the playoffs? Because as you know, Mick, as someone who played in the playoffs, it's a different it's a different uh, game than it is in the regular season. You can go to a four-man rotation. There, like we talk about, you want to put the ball in play. If you don't do that very much, you're not probably not like the Braves, for instance. In Game Four, hit three home runs. Well, great, no one was on base, so you hit three solo home runs, and that's all you really did the whole day offensively. Had maybe one, maybe two base hits. You got to do more than that, and that having a team that's built like that can carry you over the course of 162. But when you shorten that season um, might not work out that way. And I think that's an interesting kind of point about the Dodgers have now done this for 10 years, nine of those years, they won the division. The one year that they didn't, they were, they won 106 games this year. They won 111 and a lot of people, not, a lot of people did not think they were going to go to the World Series. It was like, Mick, watching that team, I felt like they were very top-heavy. I felt like you had uh, Betts, Freeman, and Turner. Those three guys could do a lot of damage. Muncie, Tur- uh, Justin Turner, those guys took significant steps back. They're yes. getting a little older. Um, and also, in addition to that, Cody Bellinger is a shell of what he was. I don't know what happened to him, but three years ago, this guy was National League MVP, and now he's not even getting starts in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, he had the one monster year, but really, other than that, he hasn't been very consistent. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to make a lot of changes. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm assuming Bellinger will be gone. Um, I'm assuming Trey Turner will be gone. Uh, I don't know what they'll do with um, the, the third baseman, Justin Turner. I don't know if he'll be back or not. Will Kershaw play another year? I don't know. So they're gonna. I think there's going to be some wholesale changes there in Los Angeles. The one thing they always do is they develop players very well, and they always have good young talent. So um, they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. But uh, I, I do think there's going to be some big changes there. 
I could see. I I think they will be in the mix for Aaron Judge. I, I'm not saying I think Aaron Judge is going to necessarily leave the Yankees. I think the Yankees will end up matching whatever he gets offered. But I think the I, I the Dodgers have the money. They're going to want to make some changes, and they've been in play for some of these guys uh, recently. So I think I think they'll be engaging with him this offseason. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Dodgers are always you know engaging in anybody that's a big name <laughs> free agent. They're going to be least in the mix or, or talked about. So, um, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to get rid of some payroll if they're going to bring in another $350 million player. Cause they're already paying. I think I saw a stat they're paying maybe 10 to 12 guys over $20 million as it is. So uh, to bring in another guy that's making over 300, or maybe up to uh, upwards of 400, who knows what he's going to end up getting. Um, they're going to have to shed some pretty good payroll there to get him in there. Or maybe they just wait for a year from now to make the big play for Otani to pull him across from the other part of the city. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Somebody that can go out and dominate game on both sides of the ball. That would, uh, that would obviously uh, have a huge impact on any team he goes to. And then on the American league side, just briefly. So we touched on Cleveland. The Yankees were able to escape that five game series. It was close. I mean, that was a hard fought, good series. And then uh, Houston, it's going to go down as a sweep. They swept the Mariners, but that was a lot closer than you would think if you just saw, okay, they swept the Mariners. Mariners led the first two games by a significant margin, couldn't hang on and win. And then the third game, we went to 18 innings. And that, by the way, Mick, we're talking about wanting to see more throwback, you know, nitty-gritty, contact, put the ball in play. That game was the opposite of that. Those oh, two gosh, teams yes. were just trying to hit the ball out of the yard, and it was like the first home run is going to win the game, and that's what happened. Yeah, I was actually watching the last four or five innings with Larry Boa, and every every stat he go, that's 33 strikeouts in this game. That's 35 <laughs> strikeouts. And it was, it was an ungodly amount of strikeouts. And uh, that's part of the reason you don't score runs. You don't put the ball in play. You're not going to score a lot of runs unless you hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, but that first game was the table center. You know, you got that two-run lead in the ninth, and you give and you give it up. That that was the whole series right there. Um, but yeah, Seattle's a very good club. I had the uh, pleasure of playing with Scott Service on the Olympic team in 1988, and uh, he's a very knowledgeable baseball man. Um, I didn't foresee him being a, a, a manager. He was more of the GM type, I thought, you know, but uh, he's done a great job with that team. And obviously they went out and spent a lot of money this offseason and brought in some pretty good talent. But um, he does a good job up there. They were a very solid team. I felt like Houston needed to win that series more than Seattle did because we're looking at Seattle going up, oh, up like this. My hand wasn't in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Seattle's moving up and Houston's been up here for six years now, six yeah. straight ALCS appearances. And I'm not saying that that team is, I don't want to say their window is closing with what they have, but I think that division is going to get more competitive. I think last year it was a weird sort of transition time in that division. Oakland was about to start their rebuild. They, they put all the chips in for 2020. They were one of those teams that really got hurt by the pandemic and then last year they tried to kind of scrap it together and make a push for it. They weren't good enough. Seattle wasn't quite ready. Seattle's building something very special. Yeah. They have a great young core. 
Their pitching staff is all young guys that they have locked up for several years now. Uh, Castillo is amazing. I feel like he's been sort of the best kept secret in baseball for a few years now. Um, so that team, they would love, love to make the statement, Hey, you know what, Houston, we're coming for your crown. This division's ours. Our time is now we're going to rise up. And I think Houston sees that and says, man, you know, this division is going to get tougher. And I think this is probably, I'll say this, Mick, I think this is the best chance that Houston has to win a World Series to validate their 2017 World Series because that's what they the guys who are remaining on this team want to do is they want to they had so much discredited from what they did and uh, not saying that they should not have been discredited by any means but this is still a, a good ball team and Dusty Baker he's trying to win his first World Series ring Based on the teams that are left and how good the Astros were in the regular season, I think this is their best chance to do it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Verlander is amazing. I don't know how he's still doing what he's doing, but at some point, you know, he's he's going to start going the other way. I Age thirty-eight or thirty-nine, year eighteen, off, coming off Tommy John, and he has the lowest ERA yeah. of his career. I. I doesn't make any sense to me, but no, it doesn't make any sense. But they were a little bit of an older team. Altuve's not the same player. I don't know if Bregman. Bregman isn't player. either. Bregman was a right. before that stuff came out. He was an MVP level player. Now right. he's just a solid player. Right. right, but they're still, you know, they're still very, very, very talented, um, and their starting pitching's really, really good. So, um, yeah, this might this might be their best chance. It's, you know, they're. Once again, they're in a horrible division, you know, <laughs> other than Seattle. And they beat Seattle by like 12 or 13 games. I mean, they had nobody chasing them for over half the year. So there was no pressure on that team um, the second half of the season. But a very talented team, again, up there with the Dodgers. But uh, uh, it should be a good series between them and the Yankees. Uh, um, Yankees are going to have to hit some home runs. That's what they're built around, hitting the long ball. And if if the Astros can keep the ball in the ballpark, I, I like their chances. So I think I think Houston uh, ends up winning this series. Um, so we'll see we'll see how it goes. But uh, sure, it would be nice to get a Yankees Phillies rematch. Rematch. Um, the travel would be easy. Um, <laughs> it'd be great for the viewing audience, especially here on the East Coast. You got two of the big city, big markets here on the East Coast. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do the Giants and the Eagles have a game coming up? They probably do. That would add to it. If you had Giants, Eagles, and then Yankees, yeah, Phillies, I think World they Series. play later in the year. I don't think it's anytime soon. I think it's more late November, maybe early December. But uh, yeah, that would be that would be great because both of those teams are playing very well now too. You mentioned the Yankees having that ability to hit the ball out of the yard, and I really thought that if Cleveland had the home field. For the five games, I think Cleveland would have won that series because the Yankees, like yesterday, Stanton's three-run homer. I think it was a three-run, yeah. And I mean, that's a he's flying out at most other ballparks. Oh, that, yeah, that right field in Yankee Stadium's a joke. Yeah, uh, it really the is. Little League Stadium. Um, but you know, if you have the batters to take advantage of that, then you got to take advantage of it. And you know, a lot of uh, their home runs go to right field. You know, Judge hits a lot of opposite field homers. Stanton hits a lot of opposite field homers. And, yeah, when he hit that ball yesterday, I thought 
it might get over the right fielder's head, but I didn't think it was even high enough to go out of the ballpark. And, you know, it was 10 rows up. So, um, yeah, I think Schwarber would like to play there if they get to the World Series. He'll hit Yeah, the Phillies would love that park, especially with their left-handed bats. And, you know, Riamuto can hit the ball that way and Hoskins can hit the ball that way. So um, that would be a, a good ballpark for us. But, uh, you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in the World <laughs> Series. Both teams, uh, you know, they needed to, uh, you know, take advantage of, of uh, you know, see us here and, Big one, like I said, big win for the Phillies yesterday. Uh, I was a little concerned when they took Wheeler out after only throwing 83 pitches. Yeah, uh, I would have left him in personally. And he had the bottom of the order coming up. I really thought they'd go one more inning with him, but, you know, Thompson knows this club better than anybody. And I think maybe the thought process was that, you know, the, the relievers have had three days off at least. You know, we had a couple days off, and I don't know if they pitched in that – blowout game against the Braves game four. So uh, maybe he just wanted to get them in, get them work so that he's got them ready to go for the rest of the series. Everyone is big on this whole third time through the lineup. You got to pull your starter. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I think that has some merit for sure. But when you're Wheeler, who's throwing, still throwing 97 miles per hour with a nasty slider and cutter, um, and the only hard ball hit in the last three or four innings was the line drive that they hit to right field. I forget who hit it. Um, you know, I, I, you throw that out. You throw the third time through out. He was dealing. He only had 83 pitches. Um, and he's your main – I mean, he's the guy. He's the stopper. And, um, but, uh, you know, it worked out. Worked out good. Now, if, if uh, they would have blown that lead in the ninth inning, I'm sure there'd be a lot more talk about it than there is. Yeah, I think that the thing that happens sometimes is people ignore the human element because if I were playing and there's some pitcher who no one can touch, I'd be relieved when he comes out of the game. And now you're bringing in a relief pitcher who's pitching in a road atmosphere who hasn't pitched in a, a you know, maybe he, uh, Alvarado, he's pitched in some big games with the Rays. But right. for instance, though, you have to have, if you, the more pitchers that you use in a game, the more guys that you need dialed in. When you have one guy who's already dialed in, like we talk about, playoffs are a different game. And some guys, you see them come in and the jitters get the best of them. So I personally, I would side with, hey, this guy, this guy's cruising. He's at, 76 pitches, I think, is where he was at. I just let him keep going the whole way, and I'd save the bullpen. That's that's the way yeah. I'd approach it. And, uh, yeah, we're, uh, that's why we're not big league managers. <laughs> uh, not yet. I would have definitely, you know, I, the fact that he was, I think he was facing six, seven, eight, or seven, eight, nine in that eighth inning, I would have, I would have left him in. Um, if he would have been facing, you know, uh, the top of the order there with Machado and, and some of those guys, uh, then I might have, let's bring in a new arm and let them see something different. But, uh, you know, it worked out. Um, I think Dominguez only threw like 10 pitches or 12 pitches or something, so he's good to go. Um, what's his, um, Alvarado threw more in the low 20s probably, so I don't know how available he will be tonight maybe to get a batter or two out. But, 
those two, I will say this, those two have been lights out. When they sent Alvarado down, I think it was in May or June, um, and came back, I think they said his ERA is like 1-5, 1-6. So he's been lights out, and Dominguez has been really solid all year. So uh, he knew what he was doing. So um, let's just – let's leave the managing to Mr. Thompson. Yes. And, um, and hopefully, like, uh, we got uh, Noel on the mound tonight. Yep. He's been pitching lights out. I don't think he's given up an earned run all postseason. So hopefully he can continue that streak and be sure – sure it would be great to come home up 2-0, that's for sure. You know, I think it's interesting that San Diego has decided to go with Darvish and Snell as their top two cuz personally I think Musgrove's the best pitcher on that pitching staff. I think he's their I think he's their stud. Maybe that they like that Darvish and Snell have pitched in some of these big games before. Um but they're throwing Blake Snell tonight and this is a must win tonight for San Diego. I that Win yesterday or it's today, it's this afternoon. My apologies. Uh, but that win last night was really big because San Diego does not have home field anymore. The series is right. gonna, and especially in these 2 3 2 format, San Diego's got to make sure that the series gets back to San Diego now, right? No question about it. And, um, once again, I didn't follow the Padres too much this year. But I do know Musgrave is, is throwing really well. And I don't know, did he get the normal rest he would have? Because he threw the last game this Padres won, I believe. Yeah. So I don't know if he had enough rest days to start tonight or not. But, um, you know, the, the two pivotal games usually in a seven-game series is game three and game five. So maybe they were wanted him to pitch that game three, hoping that would be a pivotal game for them. And, and it might turn out to be a very pivotal game for them. So – um, and maybe they liked him pitching on the road more. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I mean, this is the way they've just stacked their rotation the whole postseason. They've had it, him as their number three guy. I would try to get him more starts than the other two just because, I don't know. I mean, Darvish really only made a couple mistakes last night. I thought he pitched extremely well, and he's someone that we've seen in big games where he really has not looked great. Um be interesting to see what we get out of Blake Snell. Are we going to get the Blake Snell from two years ago? Are we going to get the the other Blake Snell that's shown up in some of these? Not even not just big moments. I mean, last year he wasn't great, and the first half of this season he wasn't great either. So um, this is a there's a lot riding on him tonight. Yeah, I, I expect it to be another pitching duel. I don't think it'll be a very high scoring game again. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a must win for those Padres. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the Phillies have to, to play it as if it's a must win for them, too. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously, there's a huge difference, 1-1 and 2-0. So, hopefully, the Phillies will come in here with the intensity they had. And I'm sure they will. Um, it's a very it's a very driven group right now. They're very confident. Uh, they're very together as a team. You can see it when they, you know, hit home runs and, come into the dugout how, how connected this team is right now so um and i know the fan base is going nuts here it's incredible we have a lot of uh, uh we have a fan bus that's going out uh, tomorrow that's hitting different parts of the city and creating some excitement and getting these guys ready for friday's game so uh, it's pretty electric here right now in philadelphia what's the fan base like to those who have never been to philadelphia They've only seen Philadelphia depicted on shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or movies like Silver Linings Playbook and seeing Santa Claus getting booed. 
Uh, <laughs> what's the uh, what? What are? How would you define Philly fans? Well, they get a bad rap here because they always show the negative stuff, as you said, Boo and Santa and things like that. Uh, it's a very, very knowledgeable and passionate fan base, and I'm talking about anywhere from the Phillies to the Eagles to the Flyers to the Sixers. They're very passionate and they're very knowledgeable. And when you're playing well, there is no other fan base I would want following your team because they come out, they support you, and they are electric at all these uh, these uh, sports facilities here in Philadelphia. And when you're playing poorly, they're going to let you know. They're going to let you know. They're going to throw out some booze. They're going to throw out some, some obscenities, and they're going to let you know that, you know, you guys need to be better. And I always love that about Phillies fans because um, – you can't go out there and not play with passion because they're going to let you know. As long as you're playing the game the right way, you're playing hard, you're playing with passion, and you're taking uh, uh, and you have accountability, the Philly fans are going to back you 100%. Yeah, I mean, speaking to the knowledge and the passion, I asked Stephanie about how their weekend was, and she said that obviously they had a great time. Kyle was getting stopped get a lot of people want pictures with him. A lot, everyone was recognizing him. And I think that's interesting because you can't say that that would be the case at every fan base, which a guy like Kyle, who is obviously a key member of those world series teams, but he was not the Cole Hamels of that team where, uh, but people 15 years later, they recognize him. He's not in his uniform. He's not wearing a hat and everyone wants a picture with him. So that tells you, I think that tells you a lot. Yeah, it, it happens with me all the time. Now, I wasn't the, the main figure on any of my teams through the 90s, but, um, you know. Except for, when, except for when you played on the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was, uh, you know, walking down the streets in Philadelphia or when I'm out to eat or even at the ballpark. Um, I'm, when I'm dressed as a normal fan, um, it's amazing how many people recognize me and ask for an autograph or a photo and, or just stop me to say hi and appreciate how you played the game, things like that. It's it's really fun to get out in the public here and, and uh, mingle with all these fans. All right, Mick, what is your forecast for this series? What's the pick? For the Philly series? Yeah. I mean, I got a little bit of advantage after last night's game, so but I do think the Phillies are going to end up winning this series. I really do because we got Wheeler and Nola going in four of the games. So I think that's an advantage for us. Um, so I'm going to go Phillies in six, um, San Diego is too good of a ball club. Uh, I think for us to win this thing, um, in four or five, but I'm going to go Phillies in six. Unfortunately, I don't think we clinch it at home. I think we have to clinch it on the road. Um, when you playing, you know, a best of seven series against really good teams, it's really hard to clinch in four or five games. So, um, yeah, I'll go Phillies in six. I think they win game six in San Diego. So going into last night, I had San Diego in seven uh, because I like their bullpen a little more. Although it is worth mentioning, David Robertson is back, right? He's he's on he the is. post. Yeah, he's on the roster. He injured himself and could not pitch because he's celebrating Bryce Harper's home run. He couldn't right. pitch right. last series. So they got him. That's really big. Now I think I'm a little more I'm a little more nervous about this about my San Diego pick. I think they need to win tonight and then obviously they're going to need to win at least one in Philadelphia. Right, so right. um I I think that uh I guess my other question for you would be 
So you mentioned that you got Nola and uh, Wheeler throwing four games in the series. Who gets the other three? Well, I would assume Suarez gets game three here in Philadelphia. Game four might end up being a, more of a bullpen game for us. I'm not sure. I know Syndergaard started for us, and I, I would assume he's probably going to get the edge there because he's got a little bit more experience than the other guys. Um, so I would probably go, obviously, Wheeler last night, Nola, Suarez, and Syndergaard through game four. We can come back with – I think we can come back with um, – Wheeler in game five because we have an off day in between. So, um, and then Nola, I would assume for game six. Um, and then it'll be an all out bullpen game if, we, if there's a game seven. Yeah. So, those, the games that those guys are not pitching, um, those two potential bullpen games, that those would uh, worry me if I was a Phillies fan. If you get there, might not happen though. Right. Well, game three, hopefully Suarez can give us some sort of length. He didn't give us much length in his start against the Braves, but if he can give us some length, that game four, we have Eflin who can throw multiple innings. We have Bailey Falter who can throw multiple innings. Um, we have Bilotti who can throw multiple innings. So there are – and I think Gibson's on the roster. Yeah, still. Gibson is. So he can throw definitely multiple. So we have a lot of guys – you can kind of piggyback with Syndergaard if you have to and get multiple innings so that we're not um, beaten up on these uh, back-end uh, bullpen guys. So uh, there's a lot of options there. I think we'll be all right. So Mick's got Phillies in six. I'm going to Padres in seven. Um, on the AL side, I'm siding with you. I think that Houston, by the way, now – the these two teams have played each other three times since 2015 in the postseason and the Yankees so quick little postseason history for those listening 2015 Yankees lose the wild card game three nothing that feels like forever ago that was before the Astros became the Astros then in 2017 the Yankees led three to two in that series in the ALCS and the Astros ended up coming back, winning, winning the World Series, and that championship has been forever tarnished. And then in 2019, two years after that, they met again in the ALCS. I think that was over in six games, and that was when Altuve hit the walk-off yeah. off Chapman. They cannot; they have not shown me the ability to beat the Astros. I think that's a serious problem. When, when there's a team that you just, for whatever reason, can't beat, I mean, Mick, was there a team like that when you guys when you guys played where it's just like, man, we cannot beat that one team? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I don't I know in ninety-three there wasn't one of those teams. We pretty much dominated a lot of teams. We won ninety-six games that year, I think it was. But uh, maybe there was a team that couldn't beat you guys then. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you. Um, but uh I'm going to take Houston in five. Yeah, and me too. The reason I'm, I'm going to agree. do that is they have their rotation set up just like they want it. They've had the off days. Um, Yankees don't have their rotation set up. They had to send, I think they threw Cole two days ago and wasn't Cortez yesterday. Yep. So they're probably going to have to throw their three and four guys the first two games here. Yeah. So Tyon um, was supposed to start yesterday and then be cut or start Monday. 
then the game got pushed to Tuesday. Right. So I would think they could they would have they have Tyon and I who's the other guy? I can't even remember. Uh Sever, they don't yeah, Severino, Severino. Right? Yeah, yep. Severino. So I gotta give a huge advantage um to Houston as far as that's concerned. So I'm gonna go Houston five. Yeah, and Verlander, that one start he made was not pretty. No, so that'll good. be Right. Interesting to see what how Verlander responds and bounces back from that performance. Even if he has a bad performance, I think Houston is just a much, much better team. These teams played each other again the regular season. You could look at the regular season records over the past five years, and the Yankees have dominated, been dominated by the Astros. Right. And this year was the same thing. Five and two, Astros took that. I'm saying... Astros in five. We can agree on that, Mick. All right. Sounds good. And then, uh, you know, just just to reiterate, you know, we picked our NL yes. East. You came ready. Uh, <laughs> you gave Miami a lot of credit. I think you had them with, you had them with 82 wins. <laughs> I, I don't did. know how many. What did they get? 70? I think it was 69, yeah. Yeah, they weren't as good as you had anticipated. The, the first half, it looked it looked quality, and they fell apart in the second half. And I sold all my Miami stock. I'm totally out on them now. Yeah, we were we were all pretty good on the Phillies. I hit it right on the nose. <clears throat> I you had the Mets win in um, I don't think anybody saw the Mets or the Braves win in 101 games, but uh, certainly not. But uh, and then Washington was as bad as we thought. So. Um, but I do, I think I got the, I think I, you did the I best, Nick. Yeah, you, I'd say so. You got 87 <laughs> on the nose with the Phillies. So you're spot on. I think we all said though, I think we all said that adding this extra postseason spot will benefit the Phillies. Right. And it certainly did. Cause they ended up being team number six. I think that's where we all had them. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I was, I thought the Marlins, I, I thought they could be, I thought their pitching staff would make them competitive enough. And I didn't see, like you said, I didn't see the Mets or the Braves winning a hundred. I thought those teams and Philly were all kind of going to kind of be in the same ballpark of good teams, not great teams. And then, yeah, we were all right on national, on the Washington. Yeah, with the Marlins, I don't think their pitching was the issue. They couldn't score runs, and they yeah, big name free agents that were duds, and that killed them. Yeah, and like I said in the first half, I was I remember watching it early on, and I'm like, hey, this is what the Miami fans, if there are any, <laughs> come out to the yeah, ballpark. The Miami fans are looking at this and they say, man, we've waited a long time. This rebuild is starting to look potentially good. And I also, Mick, I was <laughs> listening to that and I said, I think Don Mattingly is going to do a really good job with this team. And Don Mattingly, I don't think it has anything to do with him, but he is not returning to manage no. that team. And I kind of figured I, when, when they took that downfall in the second half, I actually figured that it was time to part ways and get a fresh start with someone. So that didn't surprise me. We have a lot of opening managing positions right now. We have a lot. I mean, yeah. Mick, if you were to manage, which of these potential destinations would you be the most interested in? Most well, appealing. Which ones are we talking about here? Miami? Well, we got... Uh, Chicago White Sox, Texas Rangers, Miami. Um, who else? There are a few other ones. Well, the White Sox would definitely interest me. I think they're the most talented team. 
Um, they were just hit with the injury bug this year really bad, but they've got a lot of talent over there in, in Chicago. Um, so that would be probably my first choice. Um, my wife would probably want me to go to a warm weathered city like Miami <laughs> or maybe Texas to so that she could enjoy the sun <laughs> a little bit more. But uh, um, I think the White Sox, uh, whoever gets that job, they're in a pretty good spot. White Sox, you're going to need to make some interesting decisions with their roster because this was a disappointing team, but there is talent there, like you said, whereas a team like Miami, much further away. Right. Um, do you think that the – the actually, honestly, I don't think the pressure would be all that bad in, if you're managing the White Sox. I think managing the Cubs would be more of a high-pressure situation with the fans, but – yeah, um, I'd love to manage the Cubs for sure. But, uh, you know, the other thing with Miami, that you never know with their payroll. They're not big on going out and yeah. spending a lot of money where the White Sox, they're not afraid to go out and spend some money. So uh, that would be a positive there too. Well, Mattingly got seven years, so maybe there's a little more job security in Miami, although it, it, he was hired by a different front office. Right, right. That's a big thing too. But – yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Mick, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we uh, say goodbye for now? No, I think we're good. We covered all the teams. And, uh, you know, I, I I think the baseball playoffs have been really exciting. I really do. Uh, we've seen some really good games, some late-inning rallies, some excellent pitching, you know, some clutch hitting. I, I, I think uh, – and we're going to see some more good baseball from these four that uh, that remain. I, I'm, I'm – Really looking forward to the rest of this playoff the playoff uh, series here. And you're going to be at game three, game four, and game five if necessary, correct? Absolutely. I will be there, and uh, I'll be there as a fan for the most part, cheering on the fighting fields, and it'll be fun because, my, my, as you said, uh, Jordan and Griffin are coming in. My wife will be there, so uh, we'll be raving, waving the red, uh, red October flags, that's for sure, towels. So did everyone just copy the terrible towel with the with the rally towels? Kinda. <laughs> Everybody's doing it now. Yeah, San everyone Diego had the rally towel last night. I don't know if they had them in New York or not, but uh, but it does Truly. make a difference. It does make a difference. I'd rather do the rally towel than a stupid chop. I know that <laughs> chop, chop's got to go. So the rally towels they they add, they add a little bit more when you know when you look up in the crowd and you see forty thousand waving rally towels. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, truly everyone does it, and I feel like everyone in every sport now is doing it because I've been to a Cubs playoff game. They had some white towel. I probably have it back here somewhere. It it was like I've never seen this before, and now it's just on my seat for the playoff game. And the same thing, Connor Ennis and I went to a Pacers playoff game, uh, oh my gosh, six years ago now, and that was same thing, yellow Pacers yeah. towel. It's like I've never, again, never seen this thing before. But everyone, yeah, it's, a, it's a cheap giveaway. You know, it doesn't take much to make a rally towel and cheap giveaway, but it does have an effect uh, on the players. I think Warriors. I went to a Warriors game in 2015, and they had the T-shirts. Everyone got a T-shirt. So that's <laughs> that's probably living a little more of the high life. We're able to afford T-shirts for everybody, but. You can wave a T-shirt, right? Yeah, you could, but <laughs> you're not going to. So I, I think that the towels are a good play. But I know the only thing in baseball is you can't have a white towel because that would deter from being able to see the baseball off the bat and those types of things. So it doesn't have to have a certain color to it. But uh, Well, the Cubs uh, broke that rule because I have a white towel. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it when we're yeah. done. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think you're allowed a white towel for sure. <laughs> I think the White Sox did something like that too. They had uh no, maybe it was a they either had a blackout or a whiteout. I can't remember. I think it was a blackout. They did the right they did the right thing. They went everyone wore black. That was 08 when they had like a white they had a play in game, got in. Let me ask you that, Mick. Do you miss the game 163? No, no. You really. played in one. Yeah, I did play in one with the Cubbies, yeah. But, no, I don't think so. I like the way they're doing it now. Um, you know, that just adds another game and prolongs everything. So, I like the way they do it. I, I think that one they got right. I think that one they got right. All right. Well, Mick, I know you got a busy week ahead of you. Say hi to everyone in the fam for me. Um, is there anything you want to plug or promote while you're here? You want people to follow your Instagram, buy some Phillies tickets. Yeah, you can follow my Instagram. I need a couple hundred more followers to hit 4,000. So it's, uh, it's at Mickey Morandini, the number 12. So any of you listeners out there hit me up and, uh, um, you know, once in a while, I like to post a lot of stuff that I do out in the community and things like that. So uh, it'd be nice to get a few more followers. Appreciate that. Very good. I'll link it to it on uh, on our webpage and also on my Instagram as well. Sounds good. All right. Well, Mick, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this again in four months, five months. We'll be previewing <laughs> the NL East. It's going to come up good. quick. All right. And congratulations again on the new job. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you, Jack. See you, Mick. All right. That concludes today's episode of the Jack Vita Show with Mickey Morandini. Glad to have him back. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying the podcast and the content that we've been putting out lately. Stephanie said yesterday that we should be having Kyle Kendrick, a member of the 2008 Phillies, her husband, on this podcast soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm sure we'll do it at some point. We'll see. We'll have other podcast coming out soon too more postseason coverage especially over these next two three weeks um it's hard to believe it's october 19th and we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty here but um we'll we'll have you covered here so make sure you guys if you're not doing so already subscribe to the jack vita show apple podcast spotify youtube wherever it is that you're listening to this you can follow me on facebook twitter and instagram at jack vita show I'll be posting content on there as well, um, so you won't miss out on anything. And then, as I mentioned, I'm writing a bunch over at Sports Illustrated slash Fan Nation. So you can just Google SI Fastball, and there's a site that I've been writing on. Um, and I'm sure we got a lot of people who are watching this from the site right now. So glad to have you guys. So um, we'll be back sometime pretty soon with more baseball coverage sometime next week. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. And until then, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dance to the lobsters. <laughs>